Well, as Mike says, we're continuing with the uh, series on, on suffering. So two weeks ago, Mike brought us a sort of introduction to the subject about suffering, um, uh, looking at the biblical context of it and why, why, you know, how we've got to this place. Uh, last week, we heard from Audrey, and she brought us a great message about the suffering of Jesus, why he had to suffer in our place and die on the cross. Um, this week, we're moving on to the next stage, and that's it's bringing it more home to us, so suffering for the gospel. So what, what, what does that mean for us as a people of God, suffering for the gospel? Um, Jesus noted that he suffered when he brought the message of, of the gospel to us. And uh, he, said, he said his disciples would also suffer as a result of his suffering. So today I'm looking at um, four things uh, in terms of why we suffer. Let's have a look. So the, the four questions we're asking today is, why do we suffer as Christians? Secondly, in what ways do we suffer? How do we respond to suffering in our lives? And what is the outcome of this? So please bear with me. It's not an easy subject, as Mike says. It's quite a tough subject to cover. But ultimately, it's good for us to, to learn about these things, to understand what suffering is and, and understand how it fits into our lives. So let's, uh, let's work through this one. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this subject, Lord. It's not easy to talk about suffering. We know that, Lord. But we pray that you would speak into our hearts today, speak into our lives today about this. And please bring to our, our minds and our hearts what you want to say to us, Lord, about this subject, Father. Please speak clearly and by the anointing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first point is, why do we suffer as Christians? So there's two reasons I've put there. Firstly, it's part of our calling. And secondly, it's part of God's will for our lives. So part of our calling. So Jesus clearly suffered greatly when he was on this earth. Um, if you remember, it started out so well with Jesus. You know, when he first arrived on the earth and first started ministry, fantastic time of blessing you know, god was moving powerfully through him we saw healings we saw miracles we saw the dead raised and the disciples had a great time they really enjoyed being with jesus and all that was going on and i don't know if any of you have seen the uh the series the chosen it's such a good series on on the telly really good and it really exemplifies what how it was for the disciples and how it was for jesus in the early days and how wonderful it was you know the way god was moving powerfully through them so what, what actually went wrong? You know, this clearly wasn't, didn't continue, as we saw last week. Well, men's sin got in the way. There was significant resistance to the gospel. And it was offensive to many. And it was offensive especially to the religious institutions of the day. So the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They rejected Jesus' message because it was really challenging to them and challenging their way of life and challenging their institutions. So they resisted Jesus' ministry. And, uh, and we, saw, we saw that ultimately resulted in Jesus' death on the cross, as we saw last week, at the hands of the religious leaders. So this had an effect on the disciples. Initially, they were really afraid. They were really struggling with the whole thing about Jesus dying. And um, following Jesus' death, they, they sort of hid away. They were sort of hiding in the upper room, weren't they? And, and really scared about what was going on. 
But then at the beginning of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them and they were filled with a new boldness and a new uh, strength to speak out boldly for Jesus. Eventually, this brought resistance from, again, from the religious institutions and uh, they wanted to kill off the gospel message. So the disciples ended up being persecuted and, and suffering for the gospel. So in a similar way, you know, we, we follow in the footsteps of the disciples. So we should expect that there's going to be resistance to the gospel. And ultimately, we may end up suffering as a result as we follow Jesus faithfully in our lives. And we see in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 9, that um, suffering is uh, as a result of following Jesus. So it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and daily follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So Jesus is clearly saying here that there will be a cost to following me. You need to take up your cross. There is suffering that's going to follow uh, as, you, as you give of your life to serve me. So we need to pre be prepared for this. It doesn't mean it's going to happen all the time, but it just means we need to be prepared uh, because it's, it, it's likely that we're going to suffer in our lives as we follow the gospel and uh, bring the gospel to people. It's therefore part of our calling as disciples. It's part of our calling to follow Jesus in this way. And we see in 2 Timothy, where, where Paul's speaking to Timothy, his son in the Lord, that do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me within suffering, with, with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And notice there, it talks about suffering for the gospel, but by the power of God. You know, we don't suffer on our own. It is by the power of God that he helps us and encourages us through any suffering we go through as we, as we serve Jesus faithfully. So that's the first part. first part is our calling. So let's go back. So... Part of, it, part of our calling. Secondly, it's part of God's will for our lives. And we see in Matthew 5, chapter, uh, verse 11, let's go to that, where it's, uh, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So as disciples of Jesus, we should be prepared to suffer and not be surprised when this happens in our lives. It's part of God's will for us, in a way. And in 1 Peter 4, uh, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or a, cr a criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the un ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 
So notice there it says, suffer according to God's will. So when we suffer, we know that it's in accordance with his will for our lives. You know, when we're suffering on account of the gospel, it's because God is is guiding us and showing us the way. And uh, that's a result of our love for him. Now we could say at this point, why, why would God want us to suffer? You know, what's, what's, what, you know is, is that a, a loving thing for God to do to us? But then you think back through the Old Testament. So think of Joseph. Think of Joseph and what he suffered. You know, he was abandoned by his family, thrown into a pit, and um, he suffered greatly. He was, uh, if you remember, he went to Egypt, and he, he was stuck in Egypt. He was in a jail after the Potiphar's wife incident for about eight years. So he really suffered, you know, God, God, but God was guiding him through that. Even though it was tough, it was God's will for his life. You know, we see that in the scriptures. And ultimately, God brought him through to a, a time of blessing and encouragement afterwards where he pretty much saved the nation of Israel and the, same, the nation of Egypt. So we see that it's God's will for our lives to suffer in many ways. So, um, so next, moving on to question two, in what ways do we suffer? So we can suffer in various ways, but I've picked out four here, uh, which sort of identify ways in which we do suffer. Firstly, rejection, persecution. Thirdly, faithful serving. And fourthly, calling to another country. So we can suffer uh, rejection for, for Christ. Rejection is, is part, of, uh, part of the gospel in a way. You know, when, we, when we're serving God, we can be rejected. And especially by family, if we're rejected by family, it's quite tough. And you think of those who come from other faiths' backgrounds, it's really hard for them. And uh, often when they step out in faith and follow the gospel, they will be rejected and completely abandoned by their families often. So it's quite a tough thing to, to bear, but God is in that. God's grace enables them to come through uh, to a place of, of victory in Jesus. And uh, so we, we know of people in our, in our own lives, don't we, who've been rejected by their families or rejected by people at, at work or something. So it's quite, it's quite a tough thing to, to cope with. Secondly, persecution. Sometimes if we're in a work situation, we will find uh, that we're persecuted, especially if you're sharing your faith uh, with people at work. And uh, sometimes those in authority will give us a hard time if, if we're in a work situation. And I experienced this when I was on a construction site in the early days of my engineering career. And uh, I remember that it was, um, I, I was sharing the gospel with, with some of the guys on the site. And one particular guy, most people were fine with it, you know, they sort of understood where I was coming from one particular guy took a real sort of dislike to my sharing of, of uh, the gospel and at one point I said to him look God God really loves you and because of that I love you too and he picked up on this and I didn't realize he'd picked up on it until when I left the site about six months later he was quite uh, he was quite sort of um what's the word uh expressive in the way quite quite uh, quite sort of uh, articulate in the way as he expressed himself and he came up to me quite theatrical that's a word he came up to me and wrapped his arms around me gave me a big kiss and said goodbye Julian as if to say you know remembering back to the time when I, when I told him I loved him 
and he's, he's sort of expressing the love back to me. But that really demonstrated to me that he picked up on that. He saw that and, and, and clocked it, as it were. And God has spoken to him in his life. Um, such per- persecution. Where have we gone? So the third point is faithful serving. We can faithfully serve God in the church and in our lives. And often, uh, this is a form of suffering. As we give ourselves to serve God, it can actually be a form of suffering. So, as we know, putting out chairs on a Sunday is quite a tough thing. Especially putting out the banners, Mike. You know, that is suffering, isn't it? You know, the, 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 trying to put the banners up is quite hard work and quite difficult. And, um, and when, they, when they collapse on you, it's, <laughs> it's not very pleasant. But yeah, so there is suffering in, in serving God. Uh, and, and as we saw today, fasting and prayer, that's another form of serving God, faithfully serving. When we come to God in, in prayer and also in fasting, it's a, it's a way of denying ourselves and a way of, in a way, self-inflicted suffering because we know ultimately we are serving God and we'll come through to a better place in Christ and know him better. And by, by denying, us, denying ourselves, we identify more closely with Jesus. So it's a good, good thing to do. So I encourage you, Mondays, <laughs> fasting and prayer, it's a good, good thing to do. Uh, join us, myself and Lena, as we fast and pray on, pray on Mondays. Um, and then finally in this section, in question two, calling to another country. We love our stable first world country, don't we? It's lovely living here. It's so nice to be in a nice community with all the sanitation and all the water and the power and everything else that we get as a blessing of being part of this country. But sometimes God calls us to either a difficult part of this country or another country altogether and we move outside our comfort zone. And sometimes God calls us to do that, doesn't he? As we saw with Isaac and Annalie Butcher, they gave up this home, they gave up this lovely country to move to Bolivia, which is not so well developed and not so good in terms of its comforts and and, uh, development. And they lived in a tent for two years. Can you believe that? Two years in a tent. I don't like living in a tent for two weeks on holiday in Cornwall, let alone two years. They're still living from their bags, yeah. At least now they've moved into a nice place to live. You know, it's actually quite a nice centre, but they're still living out of their cases. So real suffering. You know, they, they, when they chose that pathway, they knew they were going to be suffering uh, for God, uh, but they chose it because they wanted to serve God. They wanted to move out of their comfort zone and do what God had called them to do. So th- th- that's another way of suffering, isn't it? Call it? Being called to another country, a less stable country than ours. Okay, so third question, how do we respond to suffering? So there's three ways, I believe, we need to respond to suffering. That's joyfully, gratefully, with thanksgiving. We can respond to suffering, bad, suffering badly. We can actually uh, muddle through, can make it worse by rebelling against God. Uh, there's many ways we can respond, but I believe God wants us to respond positively to suffering when it comes upon us. So first of all, joyful. What does it mean to re- to, to uh, be joyful in suffering. So let's have a look at Matthew 5, where it says, um, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, 
For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when you uh, uh, go through difficult times. We can rejoice in those times as well. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So as we serve God, as we go through that time of difficulty, we know that ultimately we'll be blessed as Jesus leads us through that time of difficulty. It's seeing an eternal perspective in the midst of this, um, midst of the suffering. It's not not in vain, it's for an eternal purpose. Think of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail when they had uh, been preaching the gospel and uh, they were they were taken into uh, custody and it says in Acts 16 the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully when he received these orders he put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So you can imagine the situation here. They've just been flogged, they've been hit, they've been persecuted, and uh, they've been thrown into jail, into the inner inner jail, as that, the inner cell. But what do we find them doing? Do we find them complaining or finding it difficult? No, they are actually rejoicing. They're singing hymns to God and praying in the midst of that difficulty. You know, they, they had found a, a contentment in Christ, in God, as they were suffering in that situation, and they were rejoicing. And we know the outcome from that, that the earthquake came, and they were released from custody as a result of that. But it could, you know, they could have easily responded badly to that, but they didn't, they responded positively. And in 1 Peter 4, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you, as though something strange was happening, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And in James 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, we're looking at joy here, Responding in joy, because that's how God wants us to respond to these situations. Um, because you know it's going to test your faith, and it's, and it's going to be a, a good outcome ultimately. So that's uh, responding in joy. Secondly, responding gratefully, gratefully to God. You know, it seems a bit odd saying we're grateful for suffering, but yes, God, God wants us to be grateful. Uh, that you know because he's he's loving us and showing his love towards us even though it's difficult and in acts 5 verse 40 we see uh the apostles it says they called the apostles in and had them flogged then they ordered them not to speak in the name of jesus and let them go the apostles left the sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name so the apostles were grateful that God had led them this way and they counted themselves worthy of suffering in that situation. And then thirdly, with thanksgiving. And uh, with thanksgiving, in, Fli- in Philippians 4, verse 6, we see Paul saying, 
do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So God wants us to be thankful in every situation we find ourselves in, including such situations that we've been talking about. So that's how we respond. So finally, finally, what is the outcome of suffering? What are we looking for? What, what is going to be the outcome, the result in us as we suffer in accordance with God's will? The key passage I want to look at for this final section is James 1, verses 2 to 4, which we've looked at before, but I'd like to go through it more de- in more detail, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So first of all, testing of your faith. What does that mean? So in difficult circumstances, our faith is tested. But as we stand firm, we can be sure of a good outcome in our lives. God will honour us as we... As we uh, go through that difficult time of testing. And as we see God moving, as we see God uh, moving and, and answering prayer and bringing us through, you know, we will grow in confidence in God. Our confidence in him will grow as we're tested in our faith. Secondly, perseverance. Per- it produces perseverance, it says there. Perseverance is a great attribute for anyone. You know, when you persevere in faith, it's a great attribute, in, and when, when you persevere and come through difficult circumstances, you benefit greatly from that. Perseverance is seen by God as a godly attribute, something which is, which is a godly thing to, to see developing in your life, and it will eventually develop a godly character in you personally. It teaches us not to give up, but keep going against the odds to see a good outcome. And thirdly, maturity, you, so that you may be mature. A mature Christian is one that's persevered in difficult circumstances and come through, and he's come to a place of contentment in God. You know, the, a mature Christian knows that they're dearly loved by God and able to love others with an undying love. They would have seen God's grace clearly expressed through many trials and deliverances. And they know God's love in, in ways only enduring under persecution will actually bring in a person's life. And the thing is, we, we know mature Christians, don't we? We know those people that, who have endured, who have struggled and have come through. And you recognise them by their unhurried and their um, loving and their determined attitude to life in their, in their lives. You see that in them. You see that a sense of maturity in a Christian's life. Um, which is a great attribute to aspire to as a Christian. And finally, it says at the end there, complete, not lacking anything. We can be confident that as we persevere, as we carry on, as we uh, grow in God, we will have nothing uh, to, we'll be, be lacking nothing. As it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all, the, all these things will be given to you as well. So as you seek his kingdom first, God will provide for you in every situation. You will be complete, not lacking anything, as you, as you seek to serve him and work your way through those difficult circumstances. And then in 1 Timothy 6, it says, uh, for, uh, 
talking about wealthy people, not to put their wealth, hope in wealth, but which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So God provides us, provides for us in every situation and wants to provide for our enjoyment, ultimately, as we, uh, as we trust in him. And I want to finish this section with a quote from um, Donald Williams. This is a really good sort of summing up quote of what we've been talking about. Our response to suffering provides irrefutable, undeniable testimony to the truth of the gospel and the reality of God. As we bear affliction joyfully, without bitterness and with love, this testifies to the world of a God of love who cares. For only God could produce this kind of spiritual reality, and without suffering it could, be never, it could never be seen. So you see, that's, you know, as God works in us, as God works through suffering in us, uh, there's a spiritual reality that comes out which wouldn't be revealed unless we had to go through those difficult times. And the world will see that as we get through those times uh, in, with contentment, with joyful, uh, and, and with perseverance. You know, this will reveal to the world uh, the goodness of God and the spiritual reality of, of who we are. So in summary, just to summarise where we've been today, why do we suffer as Christians for the gospel? We suffer because Jesus suffered and as his disciples we are called to suffering. Secondly, in what ways do we suffer as Christians? We suffer through rejection, persecution, acts of service, moving to another area country for the gospel. How do we respond to suffering? We respond with joy, thanksgiving and gratitude. And what is the outcome of suffering? It's testing of our faith, perseverance, maturity, not lacking anything. That's the outcome. So let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for speaking to us today, uh, opening this subject up for us, Lord. We pray, dear God, that we will be able to take this on board and understand what you have said to us today about suffering, Lord. Help us to face suffering, Lord. We, we, we know it's not all the time, but when suffering does come across, uh, upon us for the gospel, we pray, dear God, you'd help us to respond positively and, and, and well, Father, and to see good outcomes in our lives as we, as we suffer for you, Lord Jesus. Come now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.